morning everyone. Thank you for joining us online. We're excited to share what God is doing in our midst and want to keep you up to date with the following announcements. Lockdown is a time of prayer. Unity lies within the power to hear the same thing from God. Join us during this lockdown time to pray every morning at 6 only for 20 minutes on Zoom. Kindly note that intercession will be at 7pm only this coming Monday, the 8th of June, instead of 8pm as normal. Explore with us the book of Daniel every Tuesday morning from 6.30 till 7am. We are discussing one chapter at a time with a week of exploring in between. Let's search the historical context and relevance of Daniel's prophecies together. Our ministry is funded by the generous giving of our members and friends. Kindly support this ministry by giving towards our course. We invite you all to join us after the service as we will be having communion together. Please follow the link to join us via Zoom. Hi everybody, I've been spending some time in Malachi 3 and 4, the last two chapters of the Old Testament. And I'm just so encouraged by uh, how important tithes and offerings are in, in the sight of God. I mean, chapters talks about the judgment of God and you know, how we rob God if we don't bring in the tithes. And just the, you know, the God gathering his remnant and sending out the prophet Elijah in the end of days. And um, I'm, yeah, I just want to you know, encourage you, especially from chapter 3, verse 10, where it says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse of God, so that there might be food in my house. Um, you know, in the times of Malachi, apparently the Levites that were supposed to serve in the house of the Lord had to go to work because there was not food for them to eat because the people were not tithing. Um, and I just want to encourage all of you to really consider what it means to bring the full tithe into the storehouse of the Lord. Um, you know, God also makes promises after that. And I want to encourage you to go read Malachi 3 and 4, just about the blessings that He will pour out for us, that there will be no need. Um, and it's with that that I want to encourage you this morning. Our tithes and offerings are really a part of the worship that we bring to God. And, um, you know, God really wants to use that to, to further His kingdom. So I'll leave that with you this morning. Uh, please go pray about it and enjoy the sermon. Great. Amen. Hi and good day to you. My name is Pastor Anton Mayberg and it's a joy for me to speak to you all the way from South Africa. Our lockdown has been going for quite some time and I know you also have had your lockdown there in the UK and all over the world, wherever you may be watching this. So as we are experiencing many different things in different places, we have one thing in common and that is that all are affected by the COVID-19 crisis and in the United States, we are now seeing uh, the riots following the death of George Floyd. Uh, and so many tragedies that we are experiencing, many families that have lost somebody, um, and, and pressure that people are experiencing financially, different kinds of stresses that are building up. And yet in the midst of this, people are not only dying, but many are, are being born and there are joys, mixed things in life that's happening. Some are getting more wealthy and others are losing many things. So before we get into the word today, I'd just like to pray for us. Father, I just commit this word into your hands and I ask that you know what my mouth as I speak, 
that you minister to each one as they listen to the words that I speak. In Jesus' name, Amen. So during the lockdown, I'm sure that many of you have had some time to reflect and think about life and think about what's happening in the world. And I too have been thinking about the question, what, what is most important? What is most valuable? What is most precious in life? Not only at this time, but at every other time in our lives. And what is the thing that we should value and treasure the most, that we should stir up the most in all things? And uh, I look at the book of Ecclesiastes as King Solomon spoke. And I think we can safely say that he's probably the wisest man that ever lived, being endowed with uh, wisdom from above, heavenly supernatural wisdom, probably more than anyone has ever experienced. And he has thought about life. He has thought about the coming and going of men and mankind. And, and I want to read to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1. And this is how he, he kicks off his summary of all the things that he has thought about. And he says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to, place, to the place where it arose. So he's talking about the fact that we work, we work hard, some gain riches, some uh, get by, and some make more than others. And, but at the end of the day, we all pass away, our goods pass on to other people in the next generation. And he speaks of this, he says, generations come and go, life come and go. We all have just but a, a little bit of a glimpse on the earth. This, this is We're we like a little short little time that we have and i often say that earth is like a holiday from eternity eternity is this massive long period and and we only have like 80 or maybe 90 years if you're lucky on earth and one can see it as like a little holiday uh, in the space of eternity and we must make the most of our time on earth and the time that we have with family and friends and loved ones and as I was thinking of, of the words of King Solomon, I was also thinking of another hero of the Bible, and that is Job. Job, who loved God, who was a devout follower of God, and, and never failed to, to honor and respect the Lord. And, and so Satan came to tempt him, and he had permission to do so, and, and that's a, a sermon for another day, which I don't want to get into today, but... As we read Job, we see how, how he struggles because he loses things. Things have been taken away from him. And in his case, it happened in, in like one day. He, he lost his livestock. He lost his servants. He lost his children. And later onwards, he lost his health. Um, and, and the Bible says then in, in Job 1 verse 20, it says, And then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return then. The Lord gave, but the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. 
So many of us have experienced some kind of loss. Um, in fact, all of us have lost something. We've lost a social life to a great extent. Uh, our ability to have a good braai as we have here in South Africa, uh, or a barbecue as you might call it in England. Um, and, and just coming and going as we please. Some of these freedoms we've always had and grown up with are suddenly taken away without there being a war without bombs falling and people being shot at on a, on a world war scale, uh, we're losing liberties, we're losing different things. And, and so as, as these things fall away, we need to think about what, in the end, if I lose this, will I still be okay? If I lose that, will I still be okay? If I lose the next thing, will I still be okay? And so many people in this world are losing jobs, Many are losing houses, some are losing cars, um, some are losing friends, uh, some families are even splitting up because of the stress that's happening. People are losing many things, but I want to share with you a revelation I received one day uh, when I was still at school, in high school. And uh, I used to do okay with maths, about 75% or so. And then I moved from one province to another. I was one term behind. It was a different curriculum altogether. Suddenly my marks fell from 75% to 34% to 22%. And then my lowest score ever was 14%. And I will never forget that day as I received my report card and I looked at my marks. And I just started bursting out laughing because the marks were so pathetic. It was so, so incredibly poor that the only thing I could do was just laugh at it. And when I phoned my dad, his response was the same thing. And he just burst out laughing at such a pathetic mark. But as I started laughing, just because it was so bad, uh, suddenly it's like my, my understanding about the love of God increased exponentially. Suddenly I understood that even if I failed my year, because there was another subject I almost failed, with 1% to spare. So if I had 1% less, I would have failed that year. And that would have meant that I would have to do my year over. I would be embarrassed. Uh, my friends would all go on and I would stay behind. Uh, I mean, that's not a pleasant thought. That's, that's not something we want to experience in our lives. And But when I was facing that uh, tremendous, uh, fearsome thing, in a sense, at that age, because that's what all your life is about when you're 17 years old. Um, and suddenly I just realized that even if I fail, even if my friends move on, even if I'd have to do a whole year over, it's all okay. Why? Because God loves me and God is with me. The love of God in that moment was enough for me. And, and the reason I was laughing so much is because I was in a sense laughing at, into Satan's face and I said to him, Satan, you have nothing in me. I might fail this thing. I might fail, fail my whole year. But at the end of the day, my God and his love for me is sufficient. I am accepted by him and that is more than enough. And I cannot really explain to you in words what an incredibly powerful revelation I received that day. But that day... The fear of failure was broken in my life. Since that day, I've never feared failure again. Because I realized that no matter 
how badly I fail, even the worst kind of failure that I could possibly experience, does not disqualify me from the love of God, from the presence of God. As God spoke to Abraham, he said to him, Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. God himself was Abraham's great reward. And what he was saying is that that is enough. You don't need more than God. In God, is, he is the all-sufficiency. And that might sound very theoretical and um, uh, hypocritical in a sense. But I want to tell you that once that revelation strikes you, that to know that my God is with me, my God loves me, he, he will never cease to love me. No matter how much I sin, no matter how much I fail, the love of God will always be there for me. Yes, the discipline of God will come. In fact, God says He disciplines those that He loves. But I know that with Him, I have more than enough. And so, I look at um, the words of Jesus when you know, He was asked the question, uh, what is the greatest law? And we're looking at the law, but for me, this is not so much about the law as the fact that this law that Jesus was going to speak about is centered around that which is most essential in life. In other words, God said, let me protect that which is most sacred. Let me protect that which is most valuable of all by making the most sacred law around that. So when we look at this law, that I'm going to read in a moment, don't just think of it as a law. Think of it is, as the, the most important security measure to protect the most important value and the, and the most important asset or experience that we can have in our lives. Matthew chapter 2, 22, verse 36 to 39. Uh, a Pharisee is coming to speak to Jesus and questioning him, and he asked this question. He says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is saying that the laws of love are the most important laws, which means love itself is the most important thing in life. So to get to my question I, I asked earlier, to, and that is, what is the most important thing in life? It is love. It is not survival. It is not food. It is, it is not a career. It is, it is not even spirituality. It's not Holy Spirit gifts. It is, it is not one of those things. It is love. We may gain many things, money and fame and power, but if we don't have love, we have nothing the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body, to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. In other words, in terms of the wonderful spiritual words we may speak or sing or our spiritual activities that we may do, 
it says if you don't have love and if what you do does not come out of love it is vanity it is it is all for nothing and and then he speaks about who we are he says but have not love i am nothing we can be important you can be the president of the united states you can be bill gates the richest man in the world you can be Katy perry or uh, any of the famous superstars and if you don't have love you have nothing and we may see this many times as famous people speak and say that they have so everything and yet they have nothing and it's not just about love and theory it's about being loved and the ability to love others you know it's to give and receive love to be not only in love with a romantic uh, soulmate, but also just in general throughout the your, the days of your your life to to love others and to be loved, and that is the most precious thing. And so, in lockdown, this gives us an opportunity to to huddle together closer with those around us in the home and whoever we are allowed to have contact with, and to increase uh, our affection to. Ex to increase our expressions of love, to serve one another more in love and to, to share with words how we feel, how we bless and, and to, to really look each other in the eyes. And yes, the world is opening up and the economy is starting to, to get going, but the reality is we still have an opportunity to increase our love in the home. Now, to, to express affection and give people hugs outside the home, uh, and this time it's not possible because of the, the physical distancing principles and social distancing. Um, but there are other ways to express love to those outside the home. And that is typically what we would see uh, in Acts chapter 2. We'll get to that in a, in a minute. But let me just read the words of Corinthians 13 verse 8 and verse 13. Paul writes and he says, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Love will not fail. Love will overcome all things. And I want to be honest with you. When I was a teenager, I was contemplating and thinking, does God really exist? Is, he, is the Bible real? Is this all true? And I sort of came to a semi-atheistic kind of conclusion, not really knowing, not atheistic, maybe agnostic kind of conclusion. And I thought to myself, well, if God does not exist and if the Bible is not really true, at least one thing is true, and that is love. Even before I was born again, I realized that even if I take away my faith or my religion or my going to church, the one exceedingly great truth that the Bible speaks about is love, and that is universal. Whether you believe in the Bible or not, whether you believe in God or not, love is universal, and we need to hold on to that. Let me read to you uh, what happened in the first church in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And I want to continue reading to you uh, from chapter 4, two chapters later, verse 32 to 35. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and distributed to each as anyone had need. So we see in this community this extraordinary unity uh, of being one mind, one heart, and and the love that they had for one another, which centered firstly around the love that they've experienced from Jesus, uh, the love that's been imparted into their hearts, but but what the heart is full of, the, the mouth runs over with, what, what the heart is full of, the heart will, will bubble over with. And so the love of Jesus was firstly received, and that's in what they rejoiced. And with that incredible love that they received from God, they were able to express love to one another. And... You know, throughout the book of Acts, we can read more about that, how they cried when the Apostle Paul had to go somewhere and, and uh, to dangerous places and how they would weep together. And uh, there was great affection, but it wasn't just, it was more than just affection, the phileo love, but it was also an agape love. Phileo is affectionate love, but, but agape love is that unconditional love that. It says, I'm going to love you whether I like you or not. And it's not like I'm being a hypocrite. It's, it's a love that supersedes phileo. Phileo love is, is there uh, when you like somebody, when you are drawn to somebody, when your personalities don't clash, when, when you're the same kind of people, when you're naturally attracted. And so that's, that's what the Apostle Peter had for Jesus. When Jesus asked him, Peter, Peter, do you love me? Um, he was using the word agape, and, and Peter answered back and said, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I'm affectionate. And again, Jesus asked him, But, but Peter, do you, do you agape me? And Peter said, Yes, Lord, but you know I phileo you. And the third time Jesus asked him, He says, Peter, Peter, do you agape me? And then, then suddenly Peter starts to, to cry, and he breaks down, and he says, Yes, Lord, I agape you. And it was from that moment onward that Peter became fearless in his pursuit of following Jesus because he moved beyond the sentimental. And in church we find, to be quite honest, a lot of sentimental feelings. And, and I'm a sentimental man too. I uh, am very sentimental and, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing to be sentimental, to and to be strong and phileo love and to, to feel affectionate towards people and to be sentimental towards your, uh, your life and your relationships. And that which is precious. I, I often think back of good memories. I, I value and treasure good memories. Uh, I feel sentimental about that. And I feel sentimental towards people that I know and love and care for. But, but what Jesus is speaking about is, is going Above and beyond that, he's talking about agape, which is unconditional. It's not There's no reciprocity in, in agape love. Uh, it may be there, it may not be there, but nevertheless, uh, we, 
there should be love that comes from God. And, and, and in this, it says in Romans, it says, in this, the love of God is demonstrated that while we were still sinners, in other words, while we were still spitting in the face of Jesus and, and turning our backs on him, while we were still sinners, Jesus came to give his life. And greater life has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for us while we were sinners because of his incredibly big love for us, for you and me. And so in this time when the world is, is caught in the grips of a global pandemic and, and we are now facing COVID-19, but together with that we are facing um, possibly a great depression or at least great financial losses not only for the next few months but for the next year or two it is quite possible that more businesses will close um, especially in the tourism industry airlines that might close uh, prices of flights might go up um, rental income would go down properties values might go down we don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you that it's going to be a financial crisis. And in this crisis, we as church have the opportunity to love like never before, to demonstrate love like never before, at, at going beyond just giving alms, giving food and clothes. Uh, in a sense, that sort of comes natural to the church, and we should excel in loving people, and, and, and not to discriminate, but to only give to the church people and to fellow believers. The Bible does say, give first to the household of faith and then additional to that. Um, but it's not like we must only give to the church. We must give to the household of faith first and we must give over and beyond that. And, and I believe that as people are losing homes, we're going to see families moving in together. Or at least I'm hoping that within the church of Jesus Christ, we would see a greater sense of community. In, in the book of Acts, we see that, that nobody declared anything his own. Um, and, and they would sell houses and lands and, and give the money to the apostles' feet. In other words, it wasn't with conditions and, and I'm sponsoring this, I'm sponsoring that. It's like giving unto God, they're giving it unto the apostles' feet. Um, and, and the apostles were not chartered accountants. They were not... CEOs. They were not big financial managers. They were simple fishermen. Matthew was uh, a tax collector. I'm sure he could count the money. Um, but, but the fact is, you know, it was simple men, those apostles who were in charge of the money. But, but what was driving the expenses in that kitty was not skills. It wasn't worldly knowledge. It was, it was love. It was love for the gospel and for the kingdom of God to be extended. It was love for one another. And that's why they shared one into another and says, and no one lacked anything. What a wonderful thing to, to, to think of a space in an environment, a group of people where nobody had any lack. And it, it so often happens, even within the church, that, you know, we might come to church, sit next to somebody and not know how much a need that person is, how hungry that person might be. And you might think this is maybe somebody growing up in a middle-class family or somebody that's working. Um, but because of our human pride, we don't often want to tell other people how we're struggling. 
we don't want to share it with others and and so we keep silent and suffer in silence and we don't make our needs known i remember uh, just a month or so after Christelle and I was married, we stayed in Stellenbosch. Uh, we were actually meant to, to go to London just after our wedding and uh, on a, a Millennium Day, uh, 1st of January 2000. But our visas didn't work out, so we quickly had to find alternative work. And it was quite a struggle, literally, to come back from a honeymoon and to be without a job, uh, to be uh, without a car, without... A house because we were going to go over to England on a working holiday visa. We sewed, we gave away our lounge suite, our dishwasher, our washing machine, uh, microwave, everything we had except our clothes. We gave it away, sowed it as seeds to other people uh, by faith that God would provide for us once we reach England. And then we never reached England. We never got there to, to be able to plant the church because of the visas that didn't come through. And so suddenly driving down from Pretoria, having uh, visas that were not uh, granted, we drove down to, to Cape Town and we suddenly had to find a house and a brother in the church, a friend in the church said we can stay at his house for two weeks. And later on, the church made a, a small little flat available for us. And, and I found a job where I had to travel two hours a day, half an hour walk, an hour by a dangerous train, another half an hour with dangerous transport um, and in two hours back again at the end of the day we didn't have much money and really it was precious and so my wife took our last 20 rand note that we had and there was no money coming in there was no prospect of anything else coming in that week or the next two weeks and uh, she went to the shop and she decided she's going to buy me one packet of burevors or sausages as you might know them uh, and she was walking back to the flat and uh, sort of thinking about how she was going to prepare this for me as a special treat, knowing that it's our last meal that we have money for. And on the way, she found a friend uh, that and they started talking and she asked her, how's it going? And suddenly the, the, the friend burst out crying and acknowledged that she hasn't eaten for three days. And she's been sitting in the church office as a, one of the church workers, uh, but not having the, the guts to tell anybody that, she doesn't have food. She's in a flat with three other Christian friends who eat three meals a day, but she was too scared to tell them that she doesn't have food. And so finally she told Christelle that she didn't have food. And Christelle was so overwhelmed. She didn't know at first what to do because she thought, well, if Arjun comes home and I've got nothing for him and I, and I spent my last 20 rand on and I gave it away. What, what's Anton going to say? And what are we going to do for this weekend? On the other hand, she was looking at this friend of hers crying. And she decided then to give that packet of burevors to her friend. And the friend was so thankful that she could have a first meal in three days. And when Christelle got to the flat where we were staying, uh, we stayed on top of a, a, a little uh, convenience store. And the owner came running out. So Christian said, hey, hey, come here, come here. Your father-in-law has just come here and he dropped off half a lamb for us as a gift. And isn't that incredible that, that God knew in advance that our needs would be provided for, that, that God knows our needs even before we ask. And so this sort of underlines the principle of sowing and reaping. Christelle didn't give because she was in faith that now she was going to reap this great reward and
and we shouldn't be necessarily prompted by this theology of prosperity so and you will reap and it's sort of this bargaining with God God I'm going to give this and then I want to get that and put in your order in advance now God knows our needs and 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 it's not great massive desires but our needs and and that what is most precious and needed to, to us in the time and and we celebrated that evening with a wonderful meal with lots of meat and we had enough for the next two months um, and I want to share with you another story that I experienced uh, going to Burundi as you may know we have churches shofar churches that's been planted in, in Burundi and I know Pastor Everest very well um, we sent mission teams there and I met him I went over there myself and assisted with the church planting and establishing those wonderful beautiful churches but what stood out for me from my trips to Burundi is is the incredible love that those people have for God the passion that they have for God and for one another and for the work of God and and that was probably the closest that I have seen in terms of people sharing closest to the book of Acts how people would uh, live together in communities how they would give to one another uh, when they were building the church that everybody would physically come and carry the stones and carry the bricks and chop down trees and and make the uh, the wooden beings um, themselves and make the bricks themselves um, but the manner in which they've shared was just incredible and it's not like the people have a lot I remember uh, you know it's it's in the mountains so I had to walk to go and preach at the different places sometimes two three hours walk and to in the rain up the mountain and I got to one place and preached uh, it was raining outside I was soaking wet and at the end I received a, a whole chicken as the blessing that the church gave me and I realized that 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 church doesn't have money they don't have cash they don't have this massive gift but from what they have they share um, so that chicken was probably the most blessed chicken I've ever received and I want to share with you one last story uh, in 2001 Christelle and I went to the Ukraine on a mission trip just the two of us met up with our church's missionary there uh, and then also went to Moscow for a, a trip there to scout out and there was a church planting movement from South Africa there and we wanted to visit one of those churches but it's more like a cell group 15 people and that didn't feel like much to me and so i remember um going there on the train and i prepared for it um not with, with great seriousness i didn't really prepare for it in the same way that i would when i'm preaching for five thousand or ten thousand people um it was sort of by the way and I thought well it's just like cell group you know we can just talk and go with the flow of the holy spirit uh, not that you shouldn't prepare for cell group or for home group you should really prepare for it but but the intensity with which I prepared wasn't so great and on the train or on the route the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said Anton those people that are waiting are waiting for you and for the message that you bring in the same way that you would wait for somebody like Ryan Bonker to come and minister to you their expectation and their faith is great and I repented right there and then and I said, God, please forgive me for my, my lovelessness. Because when I prepared for them, even though I didn't know them, there was lovelessness. I, I was callous. I wasn't really, really into it. 
And suddenly I felt like the love of God gripped my heart and I felt, God, I know that you love those people and I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you'll put the words in my mouth. And I, so I gave it a, a message that was anointed and blessed and the people loved every word. And at the end of the day, when I walked out there, the pastor shook my hand and when I opened my hand, I suddenly saw a $100 note. And, and the people in that room earn a monthly income per family of 30 US dollars per month. In other words, what they put in my hand was the value of three families' monthly income, and there were only 12 or 15 of them. And I realized what great love, what deep commitment they share, and the fellowship and the love that I've experienced there was so incredible. And so I want to encourage you in this time to, to be aware, to be sensitive, to think about when you minister, when you share, when you when you show compassion, when you you reach out to somebody, that it not be flippant, but it, but really put your mind into it. Uh, when you connect with people, some people might have physical needs, some might need money, some food, some shelter, some home, and and share share a vehicle, share a bicycle. Um, let's not call things our own, but but really be be free to share and to. Um, to be one body and, and not to be selfish in any way. I believe that as we grow in our love, the church will grow too. And this message is not about church growth. It's about the most precious thing in the world. I want to tell you that the love that I have for my family and the love that I have for my friends, it is by far the most precious thing that I have. Nothing in this world can ever compare to that. And let us not lose sight of that which is most precious. Let us not lose sight of our loved ones. If you have family that you're estranged from or that you haven't spoken to in a while, use this time to phone. Don't just WhatsApp or voice note or something like that. No, pick up the phone. Speak to them. Show love. Demonstrate love in every way that you possibly can. I trust that God will bless you and, and help you to grow in a wonderful way. May the Lord bless you and may your love grow stronger and stronger. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.